This is History 605, where we discuss everything from Crazy Horse to cyberspace. I'm Dr. Ben Jones, South Dakota State Historian and Director of the South Dakota State Historical Society. Welcome to the show. Welcome to History 605. Today we have with us somebody who works history in a different way. I'm speaking of John Mollison, who's a filmmaker and an artist who spent the better part of his professional career drawing airplanes of noted aviators and helping them share their story. The State Historical Society recently recognized John's work with the 2021 Governor's Award for History. So welcome to uh, History 605, John. This is cool. I like being here. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you're the first person to be in the studio with me. Usually somebody's over the phone, so this is uh, it's nice to have somebody face-to-face. Awesome. Uh, just as an intro to the topic, I'd like to share with the audience that uh, over the past several years, John has met many military pilots who flew from World War II to Vietnam. He's produced several documentary films, drawn their airplanes for them, and helped get their story out to students and the public. His artwork has appeared in galleries around the world, and along the way, he's developed relationships with many of these old guys, as he calls them. And he's here today to discuss what he's learned about them by putting their history in his award-winning films. So, John, first off, I'd like to ask you some questions about the method. You know, we, we talk on this show about how to think historically about the past. You do the same thing, but not with writing and paper, with drawing and film. You need film, pictures, lighting, audio, and so forth, and it becomes very technical in that medium. How do you show change over time or history or what is happening uh, in your work? Wow, I wish I had like a year to think about that. Well, you just have a few seconds. I got a few seconds. (laughs) Uh, I think that film and drawing, for me, are just tactics. You know, you you said the word method, Mm -hmm. and the method is probably your best your your the thing that struck me most when I when I heard what you said because when I think about my method my method is to interview these these old guys and by the way that's a good term I've found that out when somebody gets past 65 especially if they've lived a life of of some success or some sort of personal satisfaction it becomes a it's a positive thing. You know, mm-hmm. people go, oh, you shouldn't call old people old. Like, well, I don't know. They kind of like it. Yeah. But my, uh, my, my method is getting to know these people over time. And that, I think, is the important thing. You can, you can interview people who've seen history and get them to regurgitate facts or, or observations pretty quickly. But you really don't learn much until you know that person. So a lot of the people that I've interviewed, the interviews are, it's not a joke. It, they're ongoing. They never end. Mm-hmm. And you can call that friendship. You can call that mentorship, whatever. But to, to know history and to really get to know these people, it, time has to transpire. I mean, and lots of time. So my method is okay. time. So as um, somebody might be looking at a document in an archive yeah. and trying to understand how valid it is or how truthful the author was in creating the document or something right uh by looking at other documents to try and triangulate Mm -hmm. the facts Mm -hmm. you are in a constant triangulation or iterative process while you're getting to know somebody constant of what i'm hearing yeah Yeah, and uh, that's the importance of of history Mm -hmm. and that's the important uh, importance of appreciating and respecting age 
-hmm. History is all about age, regardless of whether you're dealing with a human or an artifact. Right. And respecting that and really learning from it, it means you always have to have the mic on. You always have to have the note taking. Always have to have the camera rolling. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that camera's rolling because so much of the communication I've seen in your films, many of these veterans from World War II, you've interviewed Joe Foss, you've got a mm -hmm. wide variety of people. Um, a lot of the communication that's going on is nonverbal. It doesn't. It isn't something that really lands in a document that way. And yeah, yeah. I have to tell you, producing. Well, I don't, and I don't work alone. I mean, we've won sure. um, a lot of awards and a lot of attention and all this good stuff. And you know, my little show, Old Guys in the Airplanes, with John Mollison. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm the guy in the microphone, and I get to maybe call a few more shots than the rest of them. But they're really doing work, and mm -hmm. I, I look at the film from what we filmed in editing these projects is impossible and it's completely unsatisfying because if you've got, like we just got done interviewing Colonel Robert Certain, he was a POW from linebacker too. Mm. And I've got four hours of film. Well, first of all, that four hours of film will never get seen. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is, is I've been getting to know Colonel Certain over the summer Mm -hmm. And I'm just starting to figure out what makes this guy tick. Right. And now I've got to f I realize that not everybody wants to know Colonel Certain to the nuance that I do. Right. But now how do I decide what the public sees? And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, ah, I hate this. Because, right. But that's, it's my life. Well, then what are the, <laughs> yeah. So that's a good leading question. What are the criteria you're looking for? What goes in, what goes in the final edit? What is the types of things that you select for the public to see? That that's that's it's a team effort again. Yeah, I think about Dalton Coffee, and I think about Rick Lingberg, and I think about Clyde Teal, and I think about then I can just go and name names. We do get together and we go. So, what what impacted you? Mm -hmm. And I like to think that one of the qualifications to be a part of an old guys in their airplanes family community. I, I do screen people for a little, at least a hint of objective thought, mm -hmm. the ability to think outside of yourself and beyond your bias. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, you know, we recognize that we're doing things that so many thousands, if not millions of people around the world would, would want to do. We're doing it for them. Yeah. When I draw an airplane or I interview a Vietnam veteran or whatever, uh, I'm in somebody else's shoes. So they're going, oh, wow, if I were with them, what, you know, I'd like to ask that question. So I have to think to myself, what would other people want? And it's, it, I'm not being very satis satisfying. I'm not giving you a really satisfying answer because it's hard. Yeah. It's not journalism what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's almost like I'm interviewing these people for others. So the questions I ask, I like to find out about character because I think everybody cares about character. Yeah. You know, nobody likes to be lied to. Everybody wants the truth. Right. So I try to find out about character. And I think everybody wants to know how to improve their own lives. So I ask questions, uh, how did you get through X? Mm -hmm. Or how did you discover success with when you were having Y? Mm -hmm. Now, here, here's something important. You know, I'm not particularly a military fanboy. Mm -hmm. I'm really not, even though I'm fascinated with it. 
but I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I don't walk around with a leather jacket and, you know, try to, you know, I mean, I'm not military. Yeah. I've never been military. Right. And any affectations I have, like talking, saying copy, Roger, and using mm-hmm. military time, <laughs> it's just an affectation of being yeah. around these people. Right. Uh, but um, um, instead, what I'm interested in is I want to know these people have seen the extremes of human behavior. Yes. So there's an idea, and maybe your your viewers will take issue with this, but I'll, I'll say it anyway, that combat and the crucible of pain is like everybody else's life, only it's extremely compressed. Mm-hmm. So if you take a... a you know, and this is going to be so sexist, but I have to throw this out here just to just to keep people's interest. A housewife. Mm-hmm. I mean, we think a housewife, the most boring job ever, right? Mm-hmm. You know, no stress except for crying kids. But if you were to take a housewife's um, year and compress it into a few hours, well, it might look a lot like combat. Yeah. You know, dealing with kids, dealing with... with right budgets, pressures, and marriage, and all these things. Illnesses, yeah. Illnesses, right, and press it together. Well, I found that that analog isn't, isn't well, it's, it's accurate. Mm-hmm. So, but when I talk to a combat person, somebody who's experienced the worst, um, I like to think there is something that the housewife can take from that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a house husband, house wife, right. whatever, or right. whatever we're talking about these days. So well, anybody could take yeah. something away from that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, we, the question is, is ultimately what you asked is, you know, what can we all learn from these types of things? I, I like, or what do I look for? I really look for takeaways for all of us. Mm-hmm. Kind of a explanation of human character under supreme testing and. Yeah, the human, the human character, the human condition, the human anything. Because I believe that history. Well, I've got a goofy little saying. We got a lot of goofy sayings at you know around the old guys in the airplanes shop. But I think that history is nutritious. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and it is. And so, so you, yeah. So nutritious in what way? And well, it, it sustains it, it, life. Okay, and character formation and understanding and yeah, yeah. Okay. But history can also be, you know, nutritious, like eating gummy bears all day long, you know, <laughs> like today's uh, celebrity culture, I think, is uh, rotting teeth and rotting brains. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have to go with right. good nutrition, you know. Right. <laughs> well, one of the things I've found, and I don't know that this part of your work has won awards yet, is the education kits that you make. Yeah. So how do you maybe walk through for the audience? Um what an education kit is for, who mm-hmm. it's for, and how it could be used, and why you thought about developing such a thing in the first place. Yeah. Oh, that's it's my favorite topic, mm-hmm. but it's also the most frustrating topic. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. You know, I think you can. We can produce. We produce pretty good films, and, and they get better. Everyone that's mm-hmm. better, and sure. we still go back to the very first one that we did with Rich Hall from Scotland, South Dakota, uh, Sky Raider pilot in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and it's just still the best one. And, oh. you know, the camera work is is okay and it's whatever. I, that's You didn't ask me this. but um, And we can – I can draw an airplane. And if you look at the airplanes I've done over the past – since I started drawing airplanes at three, I'm, I'm getting better. But the educator stuff is – I feel like we're just scratching the surface. And 
I got frustrated with what I was reading and experiencing in a classroom at a very early age. I hated school. It was yeah. boring yeah. and um, myopic. And then the teachers I had, God bless them, they should should have been doing something else. Yeah. And so a little bit of background, I, I, I spent a lot of my professional career in advertising and marketing. And I, I'm not really thrilled with a lot of aspects of advertising and marketing as a career. There's a reason why, you know, I, I'm... I got out of that business, but it did teach me how to influence and it did teach me how people's brain works. And there's a, there's a, um, there's a function to, um, how we learn. And the word is called novelty. If you think about it, we learn or our brain opens up when we get something new, fresh and different. But if you do things the same old way, there's a comfort to it. But there's also a white noise. It becomes numbing. Mm-hmm. It's like just that constant diet of junk food. Uh, salt, salt, sugar, sugar. We want it. We want it. We want it. And we really don't know why. Mm-hmm. We're just drones. Mm-hmm. But then something different comes up. And now it has our attention. Mm-hmm. So very challenging to create educational materials. Yeah. Very. Yes. It's the toughest thing you can do. And especially, I know, yeah, look at you. I mean, I'm dealing with a master here. And uh, the toughest thing for these teachers who are teaching, you know, K through 12, even into the university level, the forces that these people have to deal with, parents, budgets, oh my gosh. Time constraints. Oh my God, holy smokes. So what I try to do is I try to find a way to bring novelty into an educator's kit, into a resource. The other thing I work to do is I try to do it with as little bias as possible, but I, you know, we're inherently biased. We can't ever remove ourselves from bias. Right. And I, I work with the Distinguished Flying Cross Society. Okay. So I've got to give them a plug. The DF, sure. DFC, the mm-hmm. DF, Distinguished Flying Cross Society, the DFC is a, is a, for lack of a better term, highly prestigious medal. And uh, you never tell somebody they won a medal. (laughs) You tell people they were awarded Mm -hmm. a medal. But the DFC is a a medal given out for um, heroism in flight. And their mission is, is how do we take the stories of our character, of uh, the Mm -hmm. people who've been awarded the DFC, Mm -hmm. and put it in such a way that you can give it to a teacher who may be pro-military or anti-military or everything in between, mm-hmm. may care about military action or not, mm-hmm. may even not even like airplanes. Right. And get material to somebody who may have the same values of ambivalence to history, airplanes, whatever, but appreciate the same character. Right. And that's what I've been working on with the DFC Society and I've also been doing the same thing with the South Dakota Air and Space Museum okay. of how do we create educational materials that make somebody walk away and go, hmm, that makes me question myself. Yeah. And so I'm good at novelty. Mm-hmm. I mean, people look at my business cards mm-hmm. and my business cards turn into little metal airplanes. Yeah. Well, I do that for a reason. They stop and they go, oh my gosh, that is the coolest thing I ever saw. Yeah. And can I build this? Well, yeah. Can I have two? No. Oh, why not? And then we talk and we have a great conversation. And then right. I end up getting two anyway. Right. But that's how to, um, 
you bring it right. up, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, thanks, man. You just created a sandbox, and I just bored the heck out of yeah. your, your <laughs> listeners. Well, we started with character, but we wound up with your um, philosophy, your use yeah. of uh, yeah. educational kits or instructional materials to teach character through the medium of old guys in airplanes or, the, yeah. or what these gentlemen Wow, I just pontificated. Thank you. And I shouldn't I, have done I that. summed it up because that's what I do for a living. So. Yeah, thanks. Um, but I think, <laughs> you know, you had Marty Delete. Mart go to the Cusper yeah. School District a few months ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, and his presentation and so forth, uh, you had a kind of a, a live event with him there on the stage, mm -hmm. and then but you previewed that with a film that you did, I believe it was in his house, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, uh, the film was in his house. And so he, and just, just describe a little bit about Colonel March and what he did and what happened to him in, the, in Vietnam, and then... What was the character lesson that you think that the Custer High School kids took away from that day? Oh, got to tell you that. Marty Mart was the furthest shoot down of the war at the time, Vietnam War at the time, possibly the whole Vietnam War. And and what does that mean, furthest shoot down? Right. He was shot down. He had a attack, what they call up north, meaning okay. in North Vietnam. Okay. And I'm really cautious about pontificating now, so I'll okay. stay to <laughs> the script. But he was shot down. He was shot down northwest of Hanoi. And the amount of effort that our military put forth to rescue one person right. is staggering. Yep. If, you, if you're an economist, it's, it's probably way outstrips the value of even a highly trained pilot. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were truly just a pragmatic... Right. Black and white accountant, you'd go. Eh, let the Marty. On investment is yeah, pretty, yeah, 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 pretty low. Let let yeah. Marty go. Yeah, but we didn't let him go, mm -hmm. and Marty's story was replicated throughout the Vietnam War, even World War II. We go back. We have an American culture of don't leave people behind. Mm -hmm. and my gosh, that's that makes a guy proud. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, Marty wasn't left behind. Marty was picked up and taken home. And Marty went on then to spend uh, more time in Vietnam. He was one of the last people to leave Saigon in 1975. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, fast forward and Marty does what all old guys do. He comes back home and lives his life. Mm -hmm. Well, the fascinating thing is that Marty and uh, his family, the Marts, are part of C Custer, South Dakota lore. They've been around. They've owned their land forever. You know, it's really, really great. But the, the takeaway of character that I, I have, there's two things. First of all, I've noticed this, that when you interview old guys, old men, mm -hmm. as they get older, they get more emotional. Mm -hmm. They really do. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I, I, I try to learn, you know, I got to, friend of mine who's a mayo shrink, you know, and, oh, and I yeah. get, I try to get background on. Yeah. And that's an interesting conversation in and of itself. But what Marty would get emotional about is when he realized how much he didn't work alone. And Marty would get emotional about the things in his life that he couldn't explain, that he could only explain through his deep, deep faith mm -hmm. in God. Mm-hmm. And how Marty had gratitude for everything in his life. He realized he was an, an exceptional guy. He's a fighter pilot. You know, he's flying the F-105, doing yeah. tactical bombing. 
obviously one of the most brutal planes to control <laughs> and just do the basic maneuverability. Yeah. Yeah. Highly skilled man. Yeah. Um, highly intelligent mm-hmm. and <laughs> loved by his family. Mm-hmm. But he's starting to realize he's a, a cog in a machine. Mm-hmm. And that cog or that machine worked to his benefit. Mm-hmm. And he's just grateful for it. You walk away with that. Tell, tell me this, Ben. How much better do you think life would be if we learned gratitude earlier on? Oh, well, that's why we're all taught please and thank you early on, right? But I don't know that the lesson really sticks as profoundly right. as you just explained it there. But, but it, it can. Yeah. Imagine yeah. Uh, the, what, that, what comes with the humility of gratitude. Well, mm-hmm. that's all about Marty Mart. Right. You, you couldn't meet him. There was something interesting that happened. And by the way, the people at Custer, the school system of calls Custer is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. The school treated us really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, we got done filming, you know, and we had a live Q&A and cameras off and the modem's down and we're packing up all our stuff. Uh, Marty is holding court with a line of kids. Yeah. And it wasn't a line of 10. It was, it was a huge, huge line. And his wife, Colleen, was, was just, you know, they were also wanting to meet her because she's right. absolutely wonderful. Right. So it was, it was a line. And all these kids were doing, I originally thought, oh, they're coming here for challenge coins because, you know, the, the yeah. cool little challenge coins, you know, everybody knows what those are. He ran out of challenge coins. Oh. And word got out to the line. There's no more challenge coins. The line didn't change. Okay. The kids still came up and said, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And you want to see gratitude in those kids? Yeah. It was real. I was watching it. Yeah. I, I don't, that's the lesson. I, I, that's great. Yeah. So how do you, how do you distill that into an education kit? Well, I, I don't know if I did that as well as I should, but you can look at it. You you can go to the DFC society or okay. website. That's where they can be found. Is yeah. You can download them and they're PDFs and they're free. And that mm-hmm. was another thing that, you know, I get sponsored. Everyone goes, who pays for this? Well, I find people to pay for it mm-hmm. and, oh, that must be hard. Actually, it's, it is, but it isn't, you know, yeah. you can download it and you tell me, uh, whether you get the sense of gratitude and the sense of teamwork. Mm-hmm. And if you, think I could do a better job, I, I really need to hear it. Because these educators' kits are the crux of what we're all doing. Right, right. Uh, Colonel Martz said something in his uh, film that uh, I think was at the house, the bit at the house. You asked him about, he. I think you asked him a question along the lines of, um, what does the country mean to you or something like that? And he said, I hope they don't change it. What 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 is it? What was the it that they that you think he was talking about? Yeah. Well, this is tough because uh, a, a I can never speak completely for somebody else. Sure. You know. And the second thing is when you're dealing with these people's views, <laughs> you're, you're hitting, sure. you know, Ben, right. um, 
Well, and it's his view. It's it's his view. There's a, put it I'll only let me come at this from a different um, different angle. There's a temptation to weaponize people's thoughts and words to fit an agenda or a bias. Sure. And I told this to myself a long time ago that I would never take their words and try to force it and craft it into an agenda. And right now in our country, there's such, I mean, our country's always had upheaval. Our country has always had problems. But I could light up that quote and make it a message for a particular faction oh, or a sure. particular, particular belief. Right. What I wanted people to see when he said, I hope they never change it, was the sense of pride that Marty had in the, the, the America of freedom, of gratitude, of courtesy, as well as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's probably good that we just let somebody think about what that means for right. them. Am course. I making sense? You are. Yeah, I, I, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling back on it. I appreciate that. And uh, another South Dakotan that you interviewed uh, was Royce Williams. Yeah. Uh, Royce has an incredible story. Um, it is incredible, literally just, incredible. If, if you could just, <laughs> in a short, short way, describe what, what Royce did and why, what, what, Briefly, what's the what's yeah, Royce's he, story? He got into a dogfight with seven superior enemy aircraft, and he came out on top. And then when he got done, he was told he couldn't talk about it. Right. So imagine that. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that for anybody. Right. I just won. I just won big. I just did something incredible. And right. I'm told you get none of right. the ego. Right. And he didn't care. Right. To me, can you imagine what would happen? Again, we talked about right. what would happen if we all learned gratitude early. Right. Okay, can you imagine if we learned just the sense of being your best and letting that be enough yeah. early? Ugh. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Royce Williams. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the dude. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, his action was in uh, November of 1952 off the coast of North Korea, um, the details of which are on your website and the film that you have with Royce. Uh, He now lives in Southern California, is 95 or 96 years old. Yeah, and Um, go to the Distinguished Flying Cross Society for the educator's kit there, too, dfcsociety.org. The educator's kit for that uh, is... It is pretty good. Right. It's know. very good. The dogfight yeah. uh, graphics you have. Yeah. Uh, Which I can't very... claim credit for. Uh, right. Admiral uh, Donovan Shelton, who's like 100, I think he's 101, 102, created this timeline, a really a cool graphic, and all I did was clean it up. Right. And it's just neat. You look at it and you go, wow, holy smokes, wow. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, the utter, well, the loyalty that he had when, when he was told uh, due to the classifications of what what's going on mm-hmm. and the conditions in the war and the way the world is, you we've we've decided you can't talk about this. Yeah, and he didn't. And he didn't. He didn't even tell his wife. Didn't tell his <laughs> wife. Uh, it's astonishing. Um, and when you get around him and you talk about it, he he's confident and strong enough as an individual. I mean, he realizes. Yeah. 
you know, you don't get this aw shucks, this phony Minnesota nice aw shucks. I mean, he knows what he did mm-hmm. was incredible. Right. But at the same time, he's very content that people are finding out about it in little bits and pieces mm-hmm. and onesie twosies. And he really, there's a huge effort to get him the Medal of Honor. I truly believe 100% he doesn't care. <laughs> wow. Well, um, Veterans Day is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, many vets are known for their character uh, and words kind of associated like that. They get tossed around a lot. What do, what do they say about the value of their character? Is that you talked about how this is an incredible amount of stress, many times compacted into seconds or yeah. maybe a few minutes, um, and that is kind of forging giving them the opportunity to learn about character or learn the character that they have. Maybe yeah. in a way it's kind of a self-discovery move that uh, whether Royce kept a secret for 40 years or whether um, Colonel Mart realized with incredible thankfulness and, the, and gratitude the efforts that so many people made on his behalf on that day that he was having yeah. a terrible day. Um, how... How do you put that into that learning of character on their, that they have had? How does that shown in your film? Mm. How, do you, how do you get that through? I mean, again, it's the, the ones I've seen. It's the yeah. non-visual cues. It's the look in their eye. It's the hesitancy and how they frame it. Um, yeah, I don't want to get... I don't want to... And what goes out of your... I don't want to get religious with, with you because I'm not, I'm not a religious person, but I call that the born-again moment, mm-hmm. meaning the thing that you can't it's, – it's, it's, it, it's God or it's some chemical thing that somebody happens in their brain. I, I can't create that. Mm-hmm. The only thing – you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I tell you a real quick quote? Sure. But it's not a South Dakota. Sure, that's fine. Yeah, okay. There's a there's a guy who lives in Florida. His name is Red James. Okay. And he was a Corsair pilot in World War II, and, and he was a Corsair pilot in Korea. The story he has behind this statement is probably worth an hour, and I won't go in there, but he gave me a quote that utterly gobsmacked me and has stopped me cold because it made me evaluate myself but I asked him, well, he, he had a story where he came up with a man, a military leader, his boss, who was a coward. Mm. I mean, we think about that word coward. Yeah. What man wants to be, what woman, what, what yeah. frog wants to be right. known as a coward? Right. It's probably one of the worst words. Mm-hmm. And when he said the word coward, the way he was describing that word, he spat the word, and it was just like, oh, wow, if I could record how he said, that man was a coward. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to ask, so Red, what's a coward? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, well, it's somebody who doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now, you, th- you think about that. Now, that might fly in the face of anybody's anybody's, uh, uh, you know, dictionary yeah. or Google the word, what is a coward? 
I, I don't think Red James's definition comes up, but I thought about it and I started thinking about all my practical world, uh, the people I worked with professionally, mm-hmm. you know, who cheat on their spouses, mm-hmm. cheat on their taxes, mm-hmm. cheat on their work, mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. And I looked at it myself. How often, you know, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Well, why didn't I do what I was supposed to do? And the only thing I thought of, well, I'm a coward. And you think about people doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Not doing what you're supposed to do is the deficit. Uh, you don't get the medals for doing what you're supposed to do. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You do what you're supposed to do, right? Right. And so not doing what you're supposed to do, that's the negative. That's the bad. And you look at it with your, with your you know, you come out of the womb alone. You got your talents. Mm-hmm. You got your circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, are we teaching people to do what they're supposed to do? I don't know. But I can tell you that I think in our country we're seeing a lot of cowardice. Mm -hmm. Cowardice of people hiding behind their vanity, hiding behind truth, hiding behind a lie, hiding behind whatever. You know, it's another thing. What would happen if our country did what we were supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Tell the truth, work hard, use our talents, use our skills, not chase after money support our country, love our community, mm-hmm. uh, tolerate people who, who uh, uh, disagree with us and still mm-hmm. love them, mm-hmm. you know, not litter. All right. You know, right. according to Red James, littering is an act of cowardice. You know, we're supposed to put trash in the trash can, right? Right, right. Um, but if we're born artists, we should be artists. Mm-hmm. If we're born doctors, we should be doctors. Right. Um, so there's uh, the million dollar uh, thought about character. And when you read these guys who who react under fire and react mm-hmm. under it, it's reaction. Yeah. And it's a you know I was talking to Colonel Certain about you know bailing out of a or ejecting out of a B fifty two that just got blown up and you're over in enemy territory, and he's he's telling me he's John it's it's rote behavior. It's right. rote behavior. I studied, I studied, I studied. I studied that aspect of how to pull the ejection knob or, yeah. or, or you know, candle, right? Yeah. Uh, well, what happens when we have rote behavior being taught, you know, in, in our society to do the right thing, to do what you're supposed to do? Right. That's, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's heavy. I think it's uh, Aristotle teaches about ethics that, uh, it, or Socrates. It's habit. You, you, when you do the right thing habitually, yeah. it becomes easier to do. Right, you're not you're not thinking about it. Right. You're just doing the right thing habitually. And so you meet people yeah. who've been highly decorated, highly distinguished. Mm-hmm. I can't walk away with without being changed. I right. I happen to think that if I wouldn't have been interviewing. And this goes everywhere from George McGovern, Joe Foss, Leo Thorsness, mm-hmm. uh, all these great South Dakotans, let alone the other, other group. Right. Oh, my gosh. I, I'd be a, a shred, uh, a wisp of the human I am today. Right. And I don't deserve to be who I am today. And I've got so much depth. Do not examine my life. You know, I <laughs> but oh, they've made me a better human. And I got well, a long way to go. Yeah. Well, then if uh, people watching your stuff can be a better human, I think you're you're onto something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great to be interviewing these people and great to be around them because 
it's it's not like I'm making feature films or I'm interviewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't. It's hard to get a big ego. It's hard from there's a joke, you know, the John Show because I'm the person talking, but it's hard to get a celebrity ego, and I'm getting recognized now. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard when you deal with a guy like Rod James who tells you uh, a coward is somebody who doesn't do what they're supposed to. He just doesn't give you a whole lot of headroom to get a big head. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially when the level of what you're supposed to do is just, you know, not litter compared to yeah. I need to fly my helicopter to go rescue a guy out of a combat zone. Right. Or if I lose my stuff, if I lose my head, or if yeah. I'm incompetent, I not only let myself down, right. I let others down. Right. And the one thing I found is that a lot of these guys who do great things, uh, I think about Pat Owen. He was a Marine helicopter pilot in Vietnam. He flew a Cobra. And he he's he's talking about, he, he gave me a real just sense of the practicality of duty, of mm-hmm. doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And how you do that, and, and he went on to become an extremely successful financial advisor. Mm. And he was he was talking about how the right thing in combat is the right thing when somebody gives you a check for $100,000 to manage it. Mm-hmm. It, okay. <laughs> so. Right. Anyway. Well, um, we've talked about your different uh, media and forums and so forth. Where can people go to find this stuff? Uh, just give you another shot. Uh, well, to... I'd, I'd prefer people, you know, you can go to johnmollison.com, oldguysintheairplanes.com. Uh, but I prefer you don't do that. I, I prefer you go to the DFC Society. Okay. Uh, the DFCSociety.org. The group has been uh, remarkable in, you know, you hear a lot about groups that, that uh, you know, are struggling after four or five years. Bruce Huffman, who is a prior director of the DFC Society, uh, told me earlier, or early on when I met him, you know, that we have these great stories, these great examples, but they're a public trust. Mm-hmm. And we want people to see them and inspire forever. And part of that forever is I want people to find my stuff elsewhere. That helps with the forever. So go to the dfcsociety.org or Google me, you know, read a, listen to a podcast that maybe I've been on or that somebody on our team has been on. You come to my, I'm telling you, come to my website's fine. Mm-hmm. I may or may not update it. Mm-hmm. But get me somewhere else. And you see the greater context. For instance, this podcast, if somebody wants to learn more about me, well, they're also learning about you. They're learning about the South Dakota State Historical Society mm-hmm. and how South Dakota Public Broadcasting is getting involved. That to me is a beauty of history. You learn the connection. Just coming to me is is it defeats the purpose a little bit. <laughs> well, um, our purpose here today yeah. has been to has been kind of distilled down to uh, teaching character that mm. uh, has been learned from these veterans, and we hope that um, with Veterans Day coming up, that we can take this as a as a marker and enjoy some of the lessons that they all have for us. And we thank you very much, John Mollison, for producing what you produce and being with us here today. It's been great. Thank you. So thanks to our sponsor, the South Dakota Historical Society Foundation, and our partner, the South Dakota Public Broadcasting. But most importantly, thanks to you, the listener of this show. As always, if you like the show, please share it with friends and help us get the word out. The South Dakota Historical Society can be found on the web at history.sd.gov 
and we'd appreciate you checking us out. Now go do some history.